This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Thank you very much. Morning, everyone. Um, who here is still recovering from karaoke last night? A few of you. Uh, L, yes. Um, a more serious question. Um, who here is currently working on a website or uh, intranet that's about to go live or, or sometime in the next six months or so? Yeah, quite a few of you. Good, good. Hopefully you find this um, helpful then. Um, so when you do deliver a great website, um, how do you stop it from going bad? Um, and the obvious answer to that is regular user research. Um, you know, contextual inquiry, ongoing usability testing, that sort of thing. All the things that we're familiar with. But what if um, you're in an organisation where you get this kind of question from decision makers? Um, and it's not a criticism. I mean, we, we, we can't live in a bubble. Not everyone is as familiar with user-centred design and user research as we all are. And so there is a, an education process that needs to happen, um, and that takes some time. Um, what if you're a team of one? What if uh, you, you're, you're your classic webmaster of old, you know, and there's still people in those positions where they're trying to j juggle social media, um, analytics, um, user research, content and everything. Um, so what are the alternatives? What, what are the alternatives to if you can't do that regular user research because you don't have the funding all the time? Um, so let's start with what good looks like. So let's start with, say, usability. So there is an ISO standard to that. Um, I won't read the whole thing out, but in plain English, it says it effectively is three points to it, how many users could do it or, or um, complete the task, which is effectiveness, um, how long did it take them, which is efficiency, and is how, uh, how satisfying was the experience. Uh, so websites and internet, uh, internets typically are made up of two key elements. They're not the only things, but generally you can group them into forms or content. What about forms? Um, how do we measure those uh, or, or track that they're, they're working well? Well, you can keep calm and, and, and um, carry on with that one because it's relatively simple to um, measure form um, success. Um, this is the Carers Allowance application form from the GovUK website. It's a fairly standard form, has a start, an end point, and a series of questions in between. Um, now, the way they measure it, um, they have uh, obviously an analytics tool or whatever that captures this information, and then they um, present that on what's called their performance platform. There's three key metrics here. You'll notice there's average time taken to complete. So there's your efficiency metric, um, user satisfaction, as the name implies, it's user satisfaction. Um, and completion rate, that's effectiveness. So forms are perfectly matched and mapped to the ISO standard of usability. Um, and this is the way uh, we at Consumer Affairs Victoria um, measure the success, or the, sorry, the, um, the satisfaction component of that, those metrics. So we have a success screen, so they complete the form, they're submitted successfully. Um, we have two questions. The first one just asking how easy or how difficult or how easy it was to complete that form. And that's called the single ease question. You can read more about it at that link. It's a very robust metric. Um, but the more importantly, we ask them why. So it gives comments as to what. And we get a really good response rate to that, really good insights, and we turn those comments into um, uh, actionable things that we can do to improve those forms. What about content? Um, how do we do it? You know, thinking back to that ISO standard, how can we apply that to content? Well, 
a little bit trickier. Navigation, yes, absolutely. There's more things you can be, um, you know, have a, an, uh, a clear picture of whether something's working through card sorting and, and tree testing using tools like TreeJack and things like that, that you can determine if that people understand the labelling and, and the navigation where things are and how, how to get to them. But what about once you're in the content of the page? What about the things like the basic facts, what the general advice and instructions? Information for off-site off context. So if you're, particularly in government where I work, you're trying to provide information for people to go and act out in the real world, not at their computer. So the two things, the two elements that I um, consider for success in content are uh, comprehension, do they understand it? And confidence, can they act on something confidently to go away and, 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 and do what they have to do, particularly in those off-site contexts? Now, can you measure confidence in, in TreeJack? Yes, confidence around navigation, but the content on the page, no. Google Analytics is the, the, the classic tool we'll most of us here use, or, or, the, or the Adobe equivalent. Um, no, probably not. Um, so let's have a look at what you get out of the box with Google Analytics. Um, you've got page view, sessions, um, you know, time on page, that sort of thing. None of, these, none of these are telling a story. They're telling what's happened, what the user has done, but nothing more. Um, um, and Abhinash Kaushik, who's the, the Google Analytics evangelist, even he says there are certainly tertiary ways in which you can answer this question using Google Analytics. But the best way to answer the question is to ask the visitors. Um, now, he says, I mean, and instantly you think, oh, questionnaire surveys, and uh, that's correct. Uh, he recommends a tool called iPerceptions, um, just asking three questions. But I have some um, issues with this because, I mean, and it's not just iPerceptions, there's other tools out there, Qual, uh, Qualtrics, 4C, Campile, Google surveys. Um, the tricky thing about these, um, and why I find them problematic, is that I'll give you an example. When I was actually on the iPerceptions website recently, um, yeah, just having a look around the home page, see, seeing what was on the site, and, we've, and, and about 30 seconds in, I get this. Yeah, your opinion matters. You know, tell us more about your experience. Well, I've been there 30 seconds, you know, like, and it popped up. You've interrupted me. Um, what do you want me to say? Like, so how, do you, how does one, when you're trying to implement that, when is the ideal time? I mean, clearly not after 30 seconds when they're on the home page, but when it, you know, how long is a piece of string when to trying to implement one of these? Where, when, after a number of page views, how many page views, how much time? And there's also these shockers where it's just bad questionnaire design. Um, some of the questions here, it's too many questions, you instantly like, I, I, I don't want to be here. And also some of the questions that clearly by committee you've got things like, um, is the, are the pages loading quickly enough? I mean, really? Like, um, so it's really important. So how you ask these questions is really important because how you capture that data changes the way that your website or, 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 or internet works. Um, and I love this quote, even the mere collection of stats is not a neutral act but a way of shaping the, or reshaping the thing itself. Or as Alanis Morissette might say, it's like ruining your website experience by asking about your website experience. Um, so what do we do then? Um, so informational content is there to help. So that's the question we should be asking. And the adjective of help is helpful. So that's what we did on the Consumer Affairs Victoria website. So that's the, the home page there. And on each page, you'll notice at the bottom here, subtly, is was this page helpful? You've probably seen this quite a bit around sites. I first saw it on the, the big 
technology sites like Apple and Google and Microsoft and so on. And I thought, well, well let's try it on a, on a government site. And um, you'll notice that it's just two questions. And we don't even expose the second question at the beginning. So it, it, again, it's, it invites you to quickly answer something. But it, we want to know why. And that's the important part. That data ends up in a, in a, a database, which we can export into uh, a, a spreadsheet, in which we can know, know exactly which page on that second column, the URL, we know exactly which page that's occurring at. Those global surveys, they can you get useful insights out of them, but it's very hard to target where they're talking about. If they've had a problem, which page? And you're relying on the memory of the user to you know, tell you where, where they had the problem. So what I do with that data each morning, I ex extract that and put it into a uh, master spreadsheet. It's a bit clunky, a bit manual, but I can put it all in one place. And I've got on the right there, I've got the, the content management system open. So any the um, obvious problems I can fix, typos, broken um, links, that sort of thing, instantly fix those, close that feedback loop and put it out there again. Um, the sort of you know, metrics or sort of data we, you know, the, um, that we get, so we have about 11,000 sessions a day on the website and we get about 90 question responses per day and that's been going up uh, quite a bit since we put it on about six years ago. Takes me 10 to 15 minutes to respond each day and, and sort of um, collate and, and fix things if, if there's things to fix. And I do, the next step is to do content benchmark reports. Um, and what these are is a fairly comp comprehensive port report that mixes. Uh, it's got three tabs, one with interaction data and, and, and the uh, quantitative data, a second tab with the comments and a third tab which has the recommendations that we can discuss as a team. Um, and the reason I do those quarterly, uh, because sometimes you just need more data, more time, and uh, more patterns to emerge. Um, uh, the key metrics I have, I've just highlighted, you don't, it's a bit more to see, but the key uh, metrics that I highlight in, um, with conditional formatting, if it hits a certain level, it's red, if it hits below, it's green, so forth. Um, ratio of page views to unique page views, so it's backtracking. So if people are coming back to the same page on the, in the same session, could mean that they're lost and they're getting in a circular pattern. Um, was this page helpful? I discussed the percentage of people who found a page helpful. Uh, percentage of internal searches. So the page title didn't meet the, the um, need or the promise that it made. So they go off and use search to find what they're actually looking for. Um, percentage of referrals to contact us. If you, you help, your, content, uh, your content is there to help people on the website, um, it shouldn't have to force them off into going to the contact us section and, and, and then use, that's failure demand. So what you're measuring there is, is, is really failure demand writ large. Percentage of entrances to page views. So page not, is not being found in search or high enough in search. So people are coming to that page, but they're not landing on that page. They're having to navigate there. So it's, it's in demand, but it's not, you know, getting there instantly via organic search. Um, so we use a combination of tools, Google Tag Manager, to collect and, and collate the data into Google Analytics, and we're starting to use Google Sheets and using the Google, API, uh, Google Analytics API to get that, um, get that more automated. It's, it's, a bit, you know, it's taking a little bit of time, but I think it, it'll pay off. And if you can automate as much as you can, and so you can spend more time on the analysis and, and, and fixes, then, then certainly do that. Automate wherever you can. There's plenty of tools out there that can help you with that. Um, and to visualise it. Um, um, Ava, a lot of she, she, you know, did me a great service. But I don't have to prep this too much. But um, to, you know, instantly I see this is the satisfaction for another of our websites. Um, that's the was this page helpful? So we've got a, instantly you can look at it 
and see the top, the top line metric at 70% over that period. And you can see movement, you can see changes. Um, trend graphs are, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of them. Um, but metrics just show you how big the problem is. Um, the, the, the gold dust is in the, um, is in the comments. So this is the second tab where I have all the comments. Again, I'll con use conditional formatting. You don't have to, but it, it's easy to find those patterns. So on this page where there's a, a, a cluster of red, um, I've, um, and apologies to anyone with um, um, colour blindness, um, but there's other ways you can signify those, obviously. Um, in that second column, I've got the page title. So there's a cluster of red around that page title. So I look at the comments on this page. It happened to be that um, the users weren't finding um, a particular link, um, so we added that link. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, and the, the advantage of this over usability testing, one of the advantages is that it's real users in real context. Um, and it's not to say that you can't mimic that in a, in a usability test, but certainly you've got real users doing something um, you know, when they're trying to actually do it. It's a real-world scenario. Um, and this is gold dust, and it constantly trickles in. You don't have to schedule this. It's always coming in. Um, and consider those that provide negative feedback, and because often you'll get pushback. Oh, what if they tell us it's, it's bad? For stakeholders may say that. Well, that's great, because that's like having consultants pointing out the issues from a, you know, a fairly basic heuristic standpoint. Um, again, sorry for the, um, the small text size, but here's an example of how we've used that, that data to quickly um, um, change things. This is a media release that Consumer Affairs put out um, recently around um, Daiso was selling unsafe um, um, toys. Um, and within a day, we were getting a, a dozen comments saying, what are the toys? What do they look like? And that was, yeah, we just didn't meet the user needs. So we quickly added links to the, um, at the bottom of the page to the uh, Product Safety Australia website um, where they could see the, the toys and say, oh, yeah, I bought one of those. Oh, no, I'm safe. I didn't buy one of those toys. Um, another example, um, fundraiser, change of registration details. We register fundraisers in Victoria. And we... Um, there were a lot of comments on this page were, where's the form, where's the form? Well, it's there, it's at the bottom of the page, but the page content design isn't, isn't particularly strong. So what we did uh, was just add two subheadings. How to, you know, we moved to the link to the top and put a how to um, change your registration details. Um, I often get asked about statistic, statistical significance because I only get 90 roughly a day, but don't get hung up on that. I mean, if you're using exploratory research, I won't go into too much about this, but I, you know, recommend you look at those links, but you're looking for, your focus should be not on interviewing or capturing everyone's perspective. It's enough to give you a, um, a sense of the theme or, or, or a pattern. So, and I use the, the, those metrics as just as a barometer of the health of the website. Um, and the reason I called it measure the thing, I, I took a leaf out of the government digital service in the UK's book. One of their principles is to show the thing. Um, take things out of the abstract. Again, much like what, what Ava Lotta was saying this morning. Um, if, Idea saying if a picture is worth a thousand words, a prototype is worth a thousand meetings. So it's another way of saying that. And again, a trend graph. You can see something's clearly happening here. You can clearly see something happening here. There's a big dip. This is one of our sections where we had a major a, a public register search for looking for, for incorporated associations like uh, football clubs and that sort of thing. Um, and it was offline for a long time. And it took a big hit to the, the overall helpfulness of that section. And that told a story and a new, and people then, you put that in front of stakeholders, they're like, yeah, we need to do something about this. This is important to users. So much so that that took that dip. So you see there just below the, um, 
uh, just on the right and heading towards the right, you see a dip, and that correlates with the dip for that section. Um, not only did it have an impact on that section, it had a, uh, an impact on the overall website satisfaction metric. So that putting that in front of um, your stakeholders now, who might have been saying, use a what, they say, well, yeah, let, let's talk more about this. Let's, how can we get that line going up again? Um, so to recap, um, you don't need a big budget to make a big difference. Y yes, you need to um, actually build that tool in or, or, or use a third-party tool um, to get it in there, uh, but it will you know, pay dividends. So simply add a single ease question in the comments field to every form success page so you can track your forms, and it was this page helpful to every content page. Um, don't just use whole-of-site surveys. Um, they can be useful, but you know, they come with those caveats I mentioned. It's not an either-or proposition. This is just another research tool. It's there to get insights so you can do further, um, f you know, get further user research. You find out what, you know, it's an avenue of inquiry to find out more things. Um, and automate data collection as much as possible so you've got more time to spend on anal analysis, uh, analysis and um, fixes. Uh, don't fret about statistical significance. As I said, look for patterns. Use qualitative data as a barometer of health of pages and sections and the whole website itself. So get, try and get metrics for all three. Um, an avenue of inquiry, as I said, and an opportunity to engage decision-making for investment in user research, for the more substantive and substantial um, things like um, labs and equipment and th things like that. Um, use the qualitative data for the insights, the why. Um, and I'll just leave you with this um, from Jerry McGovern, who I'm a big fan of. We need people who know that digital is never done and that it's not a series of projects but, a, but rather a stream of continuous improvements. And I think these metrics or these tools um, can help facilitate that. Now, I have some more info at that Medium link. I've just published a story, so it's the first article you'll see in my profile. So um, come and have a chat. But other than that, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.